0: Welcome back to the MCU Lorecast. Today, we're going back to good old 2008 to talk about The Incredible Hulk starring Edward Norton. I'm Captain Chenko,
1: And I'm Sake88. If you are looking for a spoiler free analysis on The Incredible Hulk, let's just, just tell you what's up. If you're looking for a spoiler free zone, sorry, Lovelies, you are in the wrong place. Thanks, Jen.
0: Let's dive right in. This is. Kind of falls on its horror, monster movie tropes, but ultimately we got something pretty entertaining out of it. We're going to cover a broad spectrum of scientific and action topics. We begin with um, General Ross, uh, which uh, William Hurt does a great job as, uh, as Thunderbolt Ross, I think, and he's going to, Ross ends up, he's going to Culver University and He's going to meet with Bruce Banner, who's a colleague of and also the boyfriend of his daughter, Betty, <laughs> which is not awkward at all. Nope. Your, uh, your big military dad rolls up on your school and says, hey, we need you guys to perform an experiment. Are you down? Uh, he lies to them and says that this is an experiment trying to make humans to gamma radiation. He wants to recreate super soldier program from world war ii and it doesn't really end well for our guy edward norton bruce banner the subsequent exposure to gamma radiation uh causes dr banner to transform into the hulk and he has absolutely no control over it if his heart rate uh spikes too high he will transform into the Hulk, and he eventually transforms and destroys the lab And kills a bunch of people. It's a gigantic scientific mess.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's... Yeah. And as intros go, like, this is all done really quickly. Because we've already had a Hulk origin story. So they briefly just blow through it as part of the credits. Which I thought would work real well for just about any of these well-known characters at this point. Like, we just don't need an origin story anymore guys if you want to know we have the internet
0: or you can listen to the mcu or that the hulk escapes banner kind of goes underground and hides and he ends up working at a bottling factory in rio de janeiro in brazil and he's also quietly seeking a cure for the hulk uh, he's been communicating back and forth with someone who only goes by the name of mr Blue and in the meantime is also learning how to control himself and his body so that he doesn't have any more accidents regarding the Hulk. While he's working at the bottling factory, he commits a massive OSHA violation when he cuts his finger, and his blood just falls into a bottle. And that kind of crap would not fly just about anywhere. Uh, usually there's like a biohazard thing, and you okay, throw out the Okay, look, uh,
1: it's, it's Rio <laughs> de Janeiro. I'm not, I'm not gonna say...
0: Yeah, they probably don't have, they're not up to code. They're not up to code. No. Definitely not. Uh, The fact is, uh, a lot of mistakes were made, and his blood ends up in a bottle of soda, and we see later that that very same bottle is picked up by Stan the Man. Doesn't end well for him. I mean, normal blood in a drop of soda might not taste very good, but... Hulk blood—that's—that uh, is an additive that was not on
1: the label. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know if there was enough to really be able to taste it. I mean, they—they they showed it for, for cinematicness of it to be like, oh, it's sitting in here and it's being all menacing. Uh, but the reality was, it was like a drop, and we wouldn't have been able to taste it. But the amount of gamma radiation in it was what it did. Did the poor stand in on that one? It is unclear whether or not he survived that. They just kind of cut away, saying he got a little bit more kick than he was expecting. So, mm-hmm.
0: but using that um, incident, he uh, Ross manages to track down Banner, and he sends in some special force guys led by our resident crazy guy Emil Blonsky. He is all about the soldier life. He is the badass of badasses. Uh, he's you know combat specialist. He's got all these special commendations from the Royal Air Force and
1: uh, yeah.
0: Basically, he's the guy that's gonna go track down the big monster. They don't know that that they're after a monster yet, though. Nope. Uh, Ross happens to uh, leave out the fact that. Hey, if you piss this guy off, he's going to transform into a giant green rage monster and wreak havoc, and none of you stand a chance because none of your weapons are going to work on him. Good luck. He just says, go in quietly, trank him, grab him, and let's go make it nice and cool. Uh, the military bravado kind of overrides that, and they go in, and, and they don't really take Ross's advice to grab him quick, and they try to drag out a fight. And what happens is what you would expect to happen. Um,
1: yeah, it's a massacre on the soldiers' part. The
0: the, the massacre, the, the soldiers just don't stand a chance. They The Hulk tears through them like wet to shoot. It's not even a competition or a fair fight in general. No. Um, it, yeah, no, it wasn't good for anyone. They, should, they didn't eat their Wheaties that morning, <laughs> and... <laughs> they they were outmatched
1: yeah uh, so from there banner escapes uh, and he starts getting back to the states because he and mr blue need the data from his original exposure and he doesn't have that so he's got to run back to culver to get it and hope that he doesn't run into his his girlfriend former girlfriend at this point and, and also keep you know just lay low and eventually, he he gets there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much yeah, rain in this place. Cash. Like, did you notice that? Like, Culver's constantly yeah. raining.
0: It is in Virginia,
1: fair, which but... is
0: not not necessarily the driest of states, but there is a inordinate amount of rain for a movie. <laughs> uh, he dresses up as a Pizza Guy, and we get another cameo. Uh, from Lou Ferrigno, mm-hmm. who played the Hulk in the um, older TV series.
1: Such an awesome guy.
0: Right? And, uh, yeah, he's a cool guy. And and uh, they said, take the biggest guy you can find and paint him green, and that's the Hulk. But I just so love that. <laughs> uh, they didn't have CGI uh, back then, I guess. So they, they went with the next best thing. But super cool to see him. He's there as a security guard, and it's just an awesome cameo, and I, I like to see it. Um, off topic, kind of reminded me when I was watching the Uncharted movie and saw Nolan North. So
1: I love it <laughs> when we do stuff yeah. like that. From here, we we get the data, but we also have to run into the girlfriend because what's well, a Bruce Banner story without uh, interpersonal drama? And there's a touching scene in the rain where she finds him walking along the road, trying to get out of there, and you know she brings him back, but. The military has tracked him down, and Blonsky got an upgrade in the meantime, didn't he?
0: Oh yeah, he got shot up with all kinds of superhero serum. Um, not not the kind that gave us um, the very buff Captain America in the 40s. No, no, no. We get the, like, failed experiments that kinda worked, but may or may not have come with some... Mm. Side effects, to say the least. Uh, He's all hyped up on the super soldier juice. And he's running and gunning and jumping around like a crazy person in a circus. This man is agile. He is basically holding his own as a human against the Hulk. Uh, So it it definitely worked.
1: And I have to say, the reveal of the Hulk on this one, because up to this point, it was all monster... Uh, movie magic and in the shadows and dark lighting but now here we've got the monster appears and makes it you know big roar and everything like like of the hulks that are available in the mcu surprisingly this one is still my favorite like don't get me wrong i like mark ruffalo but i like the design of this one and his and how they made him show up here yeah
0: i think this is probably the truest hulk uh, adaptation that we have received because after this the mcu didn't really know oh what i've
1: got with notes with on the whole hulk hulk.
0: but but we, we'll get to that we will talk about that later yeah for sure we definitely have a lot to dig into with the character of hulk because they went in so many different directions with him after this movie Um, including a massive recast, because I guess Edward Norton didn't get along with Marvel Studios, so they nixed him for the Avengers.
1: We'll discuss that, too, later. There was...
0: Yeah, we're gonna talk about the Avengers, so there was a whole bit of drama with with behind-the-scenes with the actors and the contracts and all that jazz, so anyway, back to the movie. So after the Hulk defeats Blonsky's team, um, for one, Blonsky gets absolutely wrecked and he gets smashed into a tree and watching that Oof. falls into that category of still not any easier to watch even all this time later because man i could feel that
1: <laughs> yeah
0: as someone that has taken probably one too many dives off of a horse in inopportune moments um particularly pertaining to foliage mm. I can speak from experience that trees don't give when you hit them.
1: No. No, they wouldn't. Uh,
0: so he... he gets MESSED UP. Our boy does survive, though. We see that later. Uh, They recover Blonsky from the wreckage of the fight, and Ross basically says, Alright, we really need to get a handle on this situation. We need to take Banner into custody and we can't fail this time. Uh, We've lost a lot of good people and a lot of expensive equipment, and this is not looking so hot on the U.S. military, so let's contain... I gotta... I gotta
1: talk... We gotta talk about the general here in this case. This is a U.S. college. He not only brings in heavy weapons fire, you know, like a fifty cal, but, you know, military trucks, which they just blow through people's cars and whatnot. He brings in experimental tech that gets destroyed. He brings in a freaking helicopter with a machine gun to bring him down. And at no point is anything like no operation like that would have ever been sanctioned. Uh, even, even in this time, he
0: has a lot of operational freedom and they play fast and loose with, uh, what would He
1: wouldn't have a job, straight up.
0: No, I think they would have fired him after his uh, first failed attempt uh, and the, you know, civilian casualties that ensue from, you know, lying to scientists. I mean, there is, you know, there's got to be an era mysticism and some secrets kept because, of course, I'm sure this work was Confidential. But to straight up lie to the scientists that are doing this work for you... He kind of shot himself in the
1: foot. Yeah,
0: right off rip. because um, I think if they had had all of the information, they might have been able to avoid
1: creating uh, the whole you know
0: a catastrophic, <laughs> a catastrophic failure of their experiment that resulted in the personal destruction of a whole man's life, on top of like the civilian casualties and the damage to the to the buildings and the school. Um. Culver can't get a break, no. and they've been blown up
1: a couple of times at this point. Yep, it's all Hulk related. But you know, yeah. if Thunderbolt wasn't so busy trying to cover his ass, you know, he maybe the maybe the university would be fine. But so the Hulk escapes. He takes Betty, and they they dive out of there. Uh, we get we get a nice little touching. I say touching. We get a nice moment between Ross and Betty's boyfriend uh, Leonard. And he's all like, you know, I can tell when a person's lying and you're lying, which, you know, I I feel like that's pretty much true of Thunderbolt regardless. And just all like, yeah, I know why she doesn't talk about you now. Which, like, (laughs) man. Just giving it to him. Like, and he deserves it.
0: Because he's a terrible person. He's got some stones on him. He's got some stones on him. (laughs)
1: Right? Yeah.
0: Blonsky ends up He really likes the strength enhancements that come from all that experimental serum that he's been shot up with. And he knows about, um, Mr.
1: Blue. Well, we get, we get one more dosage. He, he recovers miraculously from his...
0: Yeah, and he looks better. Yeah.
1: And he's like... (laughs) He looks even better this time, He's all itching for round three, so we dose him up again... So now he's get he's got something running around in him. And meanwhile, Bruce and Betty have their quiet time together and what they would like to not be quiet time together and a whole a whole funny, supposedly, moment of you know, can't get too excited, which looking like watching that scene today was like, Ugh man, they really did include that, didn't they? Okay.
0: Yeah um i think it was a little especially in 2008 a little gratuitous but then again we are on the coattails of iron man and i think they felt like they could get away with quite a bit and i mean here's the deal guys uh i was an athlete and we measured our bpm um when i was in the best shape of my life i would have a active heart rate at like exertion like sparring in mma of like 180 and our limiter for mr or for dr banner is 200 bpms mance just needs to run on a treadmill and like get a little bit of a workout and then his fun times with his girlfriend would be no problem
1: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so they they run off to new york where uh they it's where they determine that's where mr blue said he is because he's still in contact with with the they they run off and they run into Doctor Samuel Stearns as Mister Blue. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and he has been he has been a busy busy yeah, man. Yeah,
1: he has working
0: working with Mister with with Doctor Banner's blood. He's got an awful lot of it uh, that he's just working on, experimenting on. And Bruce looks at him and he's like, "Listen, the U.S. military is after this, and they're after my blood, and not for all of the good that you are trying to do with it." They are here to make weapons, and they are here to make more soldiers. They want to weaponize the Hulk. You need to destroy it.
1: Well, they they do this cure bit with him first, and that's where that's where Doctor Stearns sees the power on which uh, is within Banner, and he's mesmerized. Like you can, it's like uh, that gold sickness in uh, in the Hobbit for Thorin. It's the same look of just awe and greed written all over his face.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He, he's yeah. He's
0: ready. And so
1: he, when he sees that, and he's so excited to share, like, oh yeah, I've got this giant blood bank of all your, of different concentrations of your blood. And that's when Banner's like, whoa, buddy. He's <laughs> like,
0: whoa, oh, whoa, whoa. No, you gotta
1: chill. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We're gonna set this all on fire. Like, we're done. And it's at that exact moment when all hell breaks loose and the military finally captures their guy.
0: Yeah, he gets darted through the window and he drops because without without the Hulk, he's just yep. <laughs> He He's literally just a guy. <laughs> so, yeah, they take him out.
1: And Bolonski's mad because he, he broke formation to go get Banner to turn into the Hulk because he wants another round. And by the time he gets there, he's been tranked. And he's like, no, no, gimme, give gimme. Give and so the military takes Bruce into custody. Uh, Betty goes with him be- and she's just absolutely done with her father. Like, I will never, uh, never speak to me as your daughter again kind of th- stuff.
0: Yeah, how to wreck your interpersonal relations in like 0.5 seconds. Have your daughter perform experiments with gamma radiation, transform her boyfriend into a giant green monster who, like, rips through buildings and can't be killed with
1: bullets. <laughs> and <laughs> yep.
0: And then kidnap said boyfriend after you've chased him all around the world and blown up her school twice. Uh, I I think I'd be done too.
1: And meanwhile, we've got... Blonsky sitting around with Stearns,
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: the line of he's questioning. Like, you
0: should, you should m- yeah. Oh God. This is like mad science and uh, monster movie horror and like every psycho military movie ever. Let's take this thing and mix it with this other thing.
1: Let's turn this up to eleven. And then
0: d- let's see what happens. <laughs> So, he mixes his, like, crazy superhero steroid juice blood with the samples from Banner that are left to make something else.
1: To make an abomination.
0: And he makes an abomination, and he becomes the abomination, and then we get our big CGI monster movie fight between the abomination and the Hulk. I got, you know, my one little tip on my shoulder about this is that CGI just doesn't white hold up to modern day. It didn't look I I don't really remember seeing this movie back in 2008, but I I can imagine that it probably looked a lot better back then to the gaze that hasn't been spoiled by near-to-real-life CGI that we have now. Um, So, you know, it is what it is. Ultimately, though, was a pretty well-done fight scene. There was a lot of back-and-forth. There was a lot of the strength and balance, because the Abomination is strong, and he's got a size advantage on, on the
1: Hulk. Yeah, he's got um, two feet on him.
0: Um, we, yeah. We, uh, you know, we see the, you know, we see Banner pinned against the wall, or the Hulk pinned against this wall. Um, the Abomination is using his spikes that are all over his body to drive them into the Hulk's body to weaken him. And seeing those spikes kind of jabbing in, that doesn't get easier. It That was pretty hard to see, um, because... As we can see, as we have seen, the Hulk is impervious to machine gun fire and, like, fire fire. Um, All kinds of, you know, any kind of weapon, handgun, rifle, assault rifle, anything like that. He's just, you know, he brushes those off. He shrugs that off like nothing. But these spikes certainly do some damage. Uh, We get to see some smart fighting by the Hulk. Uh, He ends up... uh, you know, Blonsky grabs these chains with these heavy weights on the ends, and he's swinging them around like a, a meteor hammer. Which, if you've never seen one, is basically a weight on the end of a really long rope, and you swing it around. And when you, you know, you don't think about it, but momentum is what? What was the? What was that quote from Mass Effect? Gravity's one mean mother. When you take something small and you put a whole lot of force behind it, and a whole lot of uh, you know, like a chain or a rope, and you get that thing swinging, you're generating a whole hell of a lot of force. Uh, and he's got very heavy weights on the ends. So he's swinging these at the Hulk, and the Hulk's kind of eating it. But then eventually, um, you know, the Hulk ends up smashing the ground, and it opens up a cavern, and then the, the abomination slips into that cavern, and when he drops, he becomes too short to catch the end of his chain. So he misses it as he's... Uh, throwing it again, so it goes straight up, and then because he's not able to stop it, it comes crashing back down on his shoulders. He's not a good way after that. Uh, Hulk ends up grabbing those chains and kind of winding them around the Abomination's neck, choking them out, because I think, you know, the part of the Hulk that is in this fight realizes that he's not going to match him one-on-one, punch for punch and strength for strength. So that was really cool. Uh, You know, with your big monster fights, you usually just expect... Tons of destruction and explosions and buildings falling down, which, you know, we did get very that. But we, I, I, I appreciated seeing some smart fighting techniques in here. And I am happy that I had something to talk about on that front. Finally, <laughs> not just start jumping around the city kind of big fights.
1: And we get our first villain to survive.
0: Yeah. We, we did a lot of killing off of villains, uh, after that, Betty screaming that she doesn't really want Bruce to kill him, and he ends up letting him go after he's unconscious, puts his foot on him, stomps him in real good, just like, stay down. And then he turns him over to the military, and the Hulk fades into the distance.
1: Chased by a helicopter, but yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, you gotta have that. You know, you can't just let him go easy. Not like he just, you know, wrecked this giant monster and Saved you. Pulled your ass out of a fire after you screwed up a couple of times.
1: The fact that Ross has a job after this whole debacle is amazing, but somehow he's still employed and we catch him drinking at the bar and here is where our connection to the greater MCU comes from. Strolling casually through the bar door is none other than Tony Stark himself.
0: Mm-hmm. He says, I'm interested in the Hulk. We have A team that we might potentially, secretly, be putting
1: together. Yes.
0: Hmm, I wonder (laughs) what that team could be. And that's about it. Uh, That's where it leaves us. And we won't see Edward Norton
1: again. Nope. Yeah, it turns out Norton, Norton had creative control problems. He needed to be as much at the helm of the project as the director or any of the producers. And so when, when it was time to edit the movie together, Norton is like, no, no, this is my vision for the movie. And everyone else is like, no, no, this is our movie. You acted in it. And that's, that could, that kind of, yeah, that kind of mindset just could not continue in this collaboration that was going to become the Avengers. You can't have one of them trying to be like, but it's my movie." But and it's like, "No, this is an ensemble, buddy." Like,
0: yeah, you are part of a you are part of a larger cast, and I can't imagine that um, <clears throat> Robert Downey Jr. would have stood for that much shenanigans uh, on the filming of the Avengers and leading up to it. Uh, I think a movie franchise could only survive, you know, one big personality and. Unfortunately for Edward Norton, I think they would have rather had RDJ because he's also like not a massive problem when it comes to the production
1: yeah I, the choices were made He's an
0: actor first he's an actor first and he just he shows up and he does his job he adds his own flair to it and he did an incredible job but between the two if you're saying we can have Edward Norton and he's gonna sit over here and screw around and make problems for the director when we are filming The Avengers or Here's RDJ, this guy who was in a movie that was super successful, that made us lots of money, and he's also awesome. You know, uh, let's let's make that. choice.
1: Well, and the Hulk made a lot of money. Otherwise, like the the reason the movies have not con- like the reason the MCU in particular hasn't continued to make Hulk movies is actually because of the deal they made with Universal. Universal gets a significant a leading share of any movie that stars the Hulk or Namor currently. That will end in June 2023, however. So after that, we will probably start to see the MCU trying to do something with their Hulk stuff. Maybe that means Ruffalo gets to come back. I mean, obviously he's been in, but they've been doing a bunch of Hulk with She-Hulk in particular. He's kind of, again, he's a supporting character and that's why.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can't. Their hands are a little bit tied as to what they can do. It's the same reason why. Hopefully, hopefully, when that contract expires, um, maybe we can get Avengers Campus here in Florida. Uh, the The whole deal with Universal is also kind of affecting what they can do um, across media, which includes entertainment and the parks. Mm. Uh, I know Hollywood Studios, California, recently launched uh, Avengers Campus, which. I was stoked to hear about because it is literally marvel land in disney uh and i was all down for it because i love star wars i love marvel and i would have loved to see avengers campus but it's not looking like we're gonna get avengers campus in florida anytime soon and i'm very sad about it
1: hmm. I, I mean
0: come on universal give us give give, give them back the rights we need our, our we need our entertainment can't marvel just give you an ungodly sum of money and call it a day
1: no <laughs> and i mean and that's why the deal has that's why no one's bothered to fight it for the last 15 uh for the last 14 years and it will be 15 years in 2023 so that's how long the deal goes and that's it so yeah that's that's just where the hulk sits currently in the uh copyright hell as it is
0: conundrum <laughs> yeah the contracts for marvel over the place it's looking like it's gonna eventually fade into one yeah aka disney
1: okay. i i have a lot of feelings about the monopoly that is disney owning so many of these franchises and ips and other media corporations uh i'm very much in support of like antitrust laws and i genuinely feel like stuff needs to get kind of get broken back up so like, yeah, thank you, Disney, but at the same time, please stop buying everything. Like, there's this thing called creative freedom. Let us have some of it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and Disney Disney is um, very strict as to what can be used for fair use as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that kind of, it kind of hamstrings media like this podcast and, uh, you know, anyone that wants to do outside, of, outside content creation. And that's kind of sad, because if you've ever seen some of the really good independent projects that have been done for other, you know, other media that is not so tightly controlled as Disney-owned properties, um, it's incredible. And, it, and it's um, kind of a shame that they're taking that creative liberty uh, away from the fans, because a lot of times the fans are producing stuff that the people actually want to see. Anyway, off of my soapbox now, I think we should roll into our (laughs) mid-break.
1: All right, welcome to the mid-break, where we talk about things that are not related to Marvel lore. All right, so as we announced last week, we will be putting out a Patreon uh, starting October 1st. So we're just telling you about it now to kind of get you psyched up for it. And so, and I said, we would give you some more details as, you know, time went on here. So we're going to tell you about our first two tiers that are going to be available. There'll be five total, but we're going to tell you about the first two here. So tier one is just going to be a dollar and we will be grateful for your dollar. Absolutely. And that will grant you access to uh, the robots discord, which, you know, you can come talk to us on just about anything and then tier 2 will grant you kind of the ability to vote on topics that the patrons that the patrons will be able to t- discuss at later dates. And that second tier will be 5 bucks. And yeah, that's that's where we're at with that. We're really looking forward to launching that.
0: It's going to be exciting. I'm really excited about it. Uh, because I'm 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 genuinely stoked to start interacting more closely with our viewers. I think our our interactions, I mean, we have our couple of friends that are watching the show that we're talking to on the Discord, but to open up the avenue for people that maybe aren't part of the Robots Radio Show's network, uh, or people that are casually listening to the show and maybe want a little bit more of an interpersonal relationship with this show. Super excited about that.
1: Indeed, we we really are. Uh, So uh, next is where we will read, uh, normally where we read our five-star reviews, which, guess what? We have one. I'm so grateful we've got it too. So let me tell you about it real quick here. It starts with, Nuff said, five stars. I am in love with this show. I have grown up with Marvel in my life, but never had the time to really dive into my favorite characters. This show does that in the best possible way, with a little heart at the end. And this is from I am the buttercat. And we thank you, Buttercat, for your five-star review. It was very sweet.
0: Aw, thank you. We love hearing that, and we're really excited that we have another review. It's been a a minute since our...
1: Indeed. It's our second one, so (laughs) just hit us with those reviews, guys. We'll be happy to read them.
0: But we're glad you're enjoying the show, and we're going to keep putting out shows.
1: Indeed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, episode... We've got so many movies, we've got television, we still haven't even figured out how to tackle things like The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet, but that's on the list to discuss. Uh, Now with that said, the next thing is, so this episode will release on Labor Day. So if you're listening to this on Labor Day right now, what is going on is there is a charity event on the Robots Radio Twitch for uh, St. Jude's. And it's where you can come check out me and we will be doing an hour long trivia and MMA from 11 to 12 Eastern standard time. And then later that day at four, I will be in a live action, uh, DD and D session with the hosts of the dragon age and assassin's creed, lore casts, teacup and shell uh, she cup with Genesis from the two girls, one ship Toasty from The Witcher Lorecast and and The Almighty Crit from the Fumbling Four and uh, Almighty Crit uh tabletop RPG podcast. So it's like a who's who of d d people and and podcast uh, podcasters. So come check us out and help and help support St. Jude's and those kids with cancer cuz yeah,
0: cancer sucks.
1: Cancer sucks.
0: Cuz cancer sucks. Uh, Yeah, there's not really a better cause, I don't think. And, you know, spend your Labor Day doing some good for some other people. That's why we're participating in the live stream. Genuinely care about the cause that this is supporting. And we want you guys to come and have a good time, obviously. But, you know, make some donations, watch the stream, and it's going to be a good time. I know a lot of the other hosts are doing some other things across the board. Still kind of planning all of that, but we're excited about it, and... We're happy to be a part of it. Yes. And we hope that you join us.
1: All right. I feel like I'm forgetting something here in our section. What else?
0: We got to talk about our sponsor.
1: Right. Shenko, take us away on our sponsor.
0: All right, guys. So this episode is once again brought to you by Bearded Brown Coat. It is a awesome comic shop here in my hometown of Ocala, Florida. They've got two locations, one on Highway 200. In Ocala and one in Bellevue, a little bit south of Ocala. Both locations have everything that you could possibly think of for any kind of nerdy content. So if you need dice for your D and D campaign, you can find dice. If you need guidebooks for that too, they've got guidebooks. I actually just picked up Cyberpunk Red, uh, you know, while I was you know out and about. So keep an eye out for that. But uh, they've got. Retro gaming, comic books, back issues, all kinds of stuff. Literally anything. They even do lounge fly and uh, Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. They have D&D tables. You can do tabletop gaming, Warhammer, anything you could possibly think of legitimately. So go check them out. Tell them that Syke and Shenko sent you from the MCU Lorecast, and tell us what you think. But thank you, bearded brown coat. Thank you very much.
1: Awesome. All right, are we ready to get out of the midbreak?
0: Absolutely. Let's kick off to your part. Talk about the comic history, first appearances, and this laundry list of important people that we need to get.
1: Yes. So, without further ado, let's talk about the Incredible Hulk and his uh, supporting cast. So I'm going to save the big guy for last because he, as I'm finding obviously the creation of these leading characters also ties right into the themes and the current events of the time. So we'll start really with Elizabeth Betty Ross. She was introduced in the incredible Hulk number one in May, 1962 by Lee and Kirby. Her for a while, she's just kind of the main love interest and support character. She's very strong willed. Uh, later, she'll become even more confrontational, and that's something that just remains part of her character, which is a real nice uh, bit. You know, she's independent, thinks for herself. Kind of, you know, she isn't j- your standard damsel in distress, which is nice. Yeah,
0: she's got she's got brains.
1: Yes, she's got brains she's got and gumption brains and grit. Yep. Uh, But from there, uh, I'm going to go on ahead and and tell you guys a little bit further about the stuff they do with her, because unfortunately, this is the only time we're going to discuss Betty Ross or most of these characters. So after some time, she becomes a variety of gamma infused characters for a while. She's the harpy and then she gets cured of that. Later, she becomes the uh, red she Hulk and then she gets cured of that. And currently she is now the red harpy. It's yeah. I, I don't I don't know how to really phrase like how tired I am of this this need to they aren't reinventing the wheel. They are going back to the wheel and going, but what if we added spikes to it?
0: I wish you could see the face that I just pulled when <laughs> <laughs> you said that. When you're like, okay, she was. She was the, the Harpy, and then she was the Red She-Hulk, and now she's the Red Harpy. I was just like, oh, wow, they really tried hard on that Yeah,
1: one. I know. I that Yeah, it's... Mm. So, uh, one of my last bits for her is, during Peter David's run on the character, which was in the 80s, uh, he got into a fight. I, I say a fight. It, it wasn't like a physical fight, but it was a professional fight between himself and his editor, Bob Haras, over Betty and Bruce's future. And it ended up being that Bob had to write the episode, or episode, the issue where Betty miscarriages their baby. And Peter almost quit writing for the whole, hell, I think he almost quit Marvel in all honesty, because he did not, he did not care for that decision. It was a decision that was made by editorial fiat, not natural story progression and the only reason he didn't leave is because he still had other stories he wanted to tell which we're all very grateful that he decided to stay and because he ended up telling some other great stories in there but the i like this is again this goes right back to something i've talked about before where marvel is terrified of letting their characters grow up and that was why it was decided this was this editorial fiat they didn't think parents were marketable to teenagers. I, as, it's it's that short-sightedness that just bugs me so much because what about the people you hooked five five years ago, ten years ago? Those are now parents, possibly. And wouldn't you want to read stories about the characters you've been growing up with as growing up with you? I feel like that's a much better thing to do than to constantly keep going, back to the drawing board and reset and reboot and and so yeah i i definitely feel for uh peter's decision at that time and i don't know if i would have been able to make the same decision if i were him in his position but i so i wanted to share that with you maybe you find that interesting maybe you don't all right our next character is general thaddeus thunderbolt ross also introduced in the incredible hulk number one he was the overseer of the Gamma project, uh the Gamma Bomb that would have turned Bruce Banner into the Hulk. And from there, I don't know how in the comics he has managed to maintain his job <laughs> like at all.
0: Yeah, this this man has has had a a checkered past, to say the least. Um,
1: checkered. He's uh, he sold has, out. He
0: has <laughs> made some he has made some bad choices and if I was in his chain of command, I would have probably hit him with those dishonorable discharge papers. But, you know,
1: that's yeah. just me. <laughs> again,
0: I think that's an insane person, but, you know, plot. Uh, He's got to stick around for a plot, right? Uh, yes,
1: that's that's basically the whole reason this man has a career is plot armor because any other general would have been quietly retired at his at this point. So, from there, we from because again we're not really going to see this character again in the in the MCU except for the one time later during Civil War. So we're going to talk about his future. He would go on to become the Red Hulk. And I can't tell you of a worst Hulk that I have read. I despise the Red Hulk. It's not even on the level of how much I despise Wolverine because I don't respect the Red Hulk. The edit I mean I can't even call it an editorial decision I just I don't, I don't understand it it drives me absolutely mad and I was more than happy when the Hulk kind of went I'm gonna say it's gonna be crazy but he attained his smarts while in the Hulk form he went around his dark green and he went around curing all of the hulkified people in his life and definitely one of them was Thaddeus and I am ecstatic to hear that he still hasn't been able to reattain Red Hulk status. They made this man an Avenger. I can't think of a more insulting thing to do. It'd be like inviting Crossbones to be an Avenger.
0: Listen, don't shit on
1: my boy. I'm not. No,
0: but I get what you're saying. He is a bad dude who's made some bad choices and just... A- magically attaining superpowers is not an automatic card into the Avengers. No. It shouldn't be. There should, there definitely need to be some tighter parameters on what could quantify you to become an Avenger. Because if characters like Silk or, you know, Spider Woman or a- any of those other characters only have like marginal status as an Avenger, why would they make an actual like villain an Avenger? There is a whole team for are morally gray characters in the Thunderbolts.
1: Yeah, and he was on that Why team too. That?
0: <laughs> yeah, It's like, they, you already gave him that. You already gave him the Thunderbolts. Chill, he doesn't need to be an Avenger.
1: His opening issue starts with him murdering the original Abomination. Straight up, goes to Russia, levels of an entire village, and shoots the Abomination in the head. And this man becomes an Avenger at some point. I wanted to slap Cap. Like, this, when I read that issue, where he became an Avenger, I was just like, that is, that is horrifying. And wrong.
0: Seems a little bit out of character for Cap, too. I feel like he would see that and be like, ooh, see, like, while we acknowledge that the Abomination is a threat, maybe you don't just go shoot him like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like maybe we take him into custody and then eventually kill him. I don't know. But no. no, that's terrible. I agree with you there. That's just yikes.
1: So now to move to the other villain, like Emil Blonsky, aka The Abomination. He was introduced in Tales to Astonish number 90 in April 1967 by Lee and Gil Kane. He was a Russian KGB spy that infiltrated the base that Banner was in at the time and Banner was trying to cure himself with the Hulk using uh, some gamma enhancement uh, equipment. Blonsky got exposed to that and voila, big scare big scary monster with like weird gill ears and an armored hide and and spikes and thus the Abomination was born. Where he would spend years as one of the Hulk's main villains I mean coming back and forth being beaten captured and released and all this and like I said he eventually dies at the hands of Red Hulk during his debut issue but like most comic book characters he doesn't stay dead and he is brought back via some convoluted comic book means that I'm not going to get into right now but it is very convoluted
0: he was
1: only kind of dead. Oh, story. no, he was dead. Like, there's an entire storyline dealing with dead villains as they serve as jurors for Pluto uh, during the, like, one of the Dark Reign storylines. And he so he serves there. Uh, a couple of the other... Uh, uh, Obadiah Stane is there. So, like, this is a comic that brings back a lot of, like, dead, dead villains to serve. But, yeah, he gets brought back. It's convoluted. Moving on um dr samuel stearns aka the leader he was introduced in tales to astonish number 62 in december 1964 by lee and ditko since we don't really get to see samuel stearns as the the leader in in case you're wondering who, who am i talking about in this movie when the abomination changes he like had knocked the guy uh stearns away and opened up a gash on his head and some of the hulk's blood started to like drip into the open wound and like you could see his cranium start to like grow and change that was the leader becoming uh, a character in in the movie verse which went nowhere because of the deal we were talking about earlier his power set includes things like super human intelligence telekinesis telepathy other mental powers like the ability to erase your memories, change memories, all that good stuff. He really exists for that classic brains versus brawn storyline stuff. He's a main antagonist of the of the Hulk for many years, just like the Abomination. He's I don't there's another I think the other reason why we've never seen him is because he doesn't I don't see the leader the leader doesn't hold himself as a character that that can hold a movie as the only antagonist he serves well on a team but we don't have i'm not gonna say we don't have like a large rogues gallery for the hulk we do but the marvel mc you know the mcu wasn't real interested in going that route with the leader so he gets left to the wayside for now now maybe when 2023 comes around we start to see something but you know we also gotta think about this 15 years ago all these actors have aged 15 years in that time
0: yeah i think they're they're gonna have to reboot some of the characters and uh recast or do an alternate storyline or something but i definitely hope they end up bringing some of these back now now that they're going to be able to when the deal expires. indeed
1: all right so now for our last last like character he was only in a couple of scenes it was leonard savorsky jr aka doc samson He was introduced in Incredible Hulk number 141 in July 1971 by Roy Thomas and Herb Tripp. He works as a psychiatrist, which they did in the movie, so that was good. In the comics, he was working there at a place where Banner was, again, siphoning off gamma energy, and Leonard gets exposed to that. And as part of his namesake, his hair length is attributed to his strength. So, you know, literally the biblical story of Samson, the long-haired character whose uh, who hair can never be cut. Otherwise, he would lose his immense strength. And in the comics, that eventually does go, like, that connection goes away. He's still immensely strong, but he can now finally get a haircut. Alright. <laughs> long, long hair. Yeah, basically. Uh, he really serves as an ally a good portion of the time. He's not a villain, except when he's being mind-controlled. And unfortunately, that happens a little bit more often than it should. Sometimes it's the leader. Sometimes it's somebody else, like MODOK. But yeah, most of the time he's on the side of the good guys.
0: Now we've got the big guy.
1: Actually, before I get to him, I've got one guy who needs to be mentioned because of how criminal it is to leave him out. Missing in action is Rick Jones, also introduced in Incredible Hulk number one. He is the quintessential teenage sidekick character. He serves with Hulk, Captain America, a couple, uh, the original Captain Marvel. He goes through all kinds of amazing adventures. And at no point has the MCU even remotely gone into Rick Jones. And that is, I would almost say criminally negligent on their part. To just be like, oh, here's an important side character that we've had for 40 or 50 years. Oh no, I'm sorry, 60 years. Meh! Into the dustbin of history you go.
0: That is a little bit of a shame. He's If he's important to so many different characters, it would seem like it would be natural for him to be included. Unfortunately, the natural thing is not always the thing that they go with.
1: Anyway, so I wanted to mention him. So now, for the big guy. Dr. Robert Bruce Banner, aka the Hulk. Again, uh, obviously incredible Hulk number 1. His original color scheme was gray, and you you can see that on the original issue. He, you know, it's a large gray lumbering person in purple pants. But there were significant printer problems at the time with how the printers produced gray. That was inconsistent. So Lee was just like, hell with it, green. And that's where we get our primary color now for him. So, I mean, I I feel like that was, I'm imagining a world where a printer issue didn't exist. And we have the Incredible Hulk as a gray-skinned monster. And I'm wondering how well... Weird. Yeah, I'm wondering how well that would have worked. (laughs) And I don't see that... I, I, it doesn't have quite the same vibrance as this Hulk green hulking monstrosity, right?
0: I think that it would have definitely fallen way more into the monster category than the horrible scientific experiment category. Because even though they seem like they're not that far off from the spectrum when you're comparing them side by side, yes. There's a very large difference between, say, like Frankenstein and...
1: The hulk. speaking of frankenstein that was one of the major influences to the hulk lee was he heavily influenced by both frankenstein and dr jekyll and mr hyde and so the idea of a character changing into his own monster rather than the, and rather than having to create a separate monster like frankenstein like dr frankenstein did in creating his monster so yeah, already we have the horror monster part brought here to the Hulk and that, that's, and I'm, that's one of the things that I do like about the Incredible Hulk is they still play to that monster cinematicness, right It, it feels like a monster movie, not a superhero movie.
0: Yes, for sure. And I do I think um, I don't think he would have screen tested nearly as well as, as Gray as he did no, green. Yeah. I don't think Lou Ferrigno would have um, enjoyed being painted gray <laughs> for, a, for his run as the whole. Uh I think it was definitely the right choice. It may not have been the choice they wanted to go with at the start of things, but it ended up working out for him just a little bit. That uh, green and purple uh, motif that they have is it's, it's very iconic now.
1: Indeed. Yes. Yes, very much so. And speaking of iconic, so again, it's, you know, it is 1962. It's the height of the Cold War. And so that's one of the themes that gets kind of brought forward with the Hulk. Because like we have a KGB agent, right? Running around becoming the Abomination and other, other stories that involve that. Also, again, we have weird science with gamma radiation. Again, brought out of the fear of nuclear war that in 1960s was practically imminent, I would say. Or at least people felt like it was. So here's Lee and his team tapping into things that the general populace, A, don't understand, which makes great for science fiction. And B, are terrified of, which also makes great for science fiction. And tying this into public media.
0: What are your Final thoughts, I, you know, this is one of those movies, for me at least, that falls not so much, I mean, it's certainly not my favorite MCU film, but if it's on, I'm gonna watch it. I, I will enjoy every second of it. I this It, it was a good time, and it, it shows its age in some places, and there were, you know, maybe a couple of scenes that could have been done differently, and of course there's movie hijinks and plot armor left and right, but, I mean, this is, uh, this is our second movie now leading up to that bigger ambiguous thing that we are, you know, stacking up for.
1: So, like, I am a Tim Roth simp. I love everything that guy is in. I would peel off my left arm to work on a project with Tim Roth, hands down. So, and I am ecstatic to see him having returned for the She-Hulk series. Loving that. It's a great series. If you haven't watched it, please do. Uh, we will we will obviously discuss the She-Hulk series on the show, so I'm not going to talk any more about it. But so, yeah, same re- like same thing. If it's on, I'm going to watch it. I enjoy the heck out of it. I have the Hulks that we've seen, you know, because there's there's the Ang Lee Hulk, which we are not discussing. There's this one. And then there's the Mark Ruffalo Hulk of the three designs. This one is still my favorite of the designs. And I appreciated Norton's banner a little bit more than ruffalo's but uh that's because i identified more with the like like norton really did the physicality of a traumatized uh street living person i feel like uh, just a little bit better than ruffalo did
0: ruffalo was very clean uh clinical he played way more into the i'm a i'm a doctor and a smart dude um line than he did to everything else surrounding bruce banner
1: yes yes
0: like at no point at, at very few points is mark ruffalo's uh bruce banner scruffy dirty and you know struggling to survive for any significant length of time uh but we'll talk about mark ruffalo down the line because we're, we're we're right on the coattails of that we're gearing up
1: oh yeah we'll get there very soon so, so- I believe this is where we will leave you off. And we come back, I believe, with our second Iron Man. Yes. Or do we do Thor?
0: Iron Man. It's Iron Man 2, Thor, and Captain America, the first Avenger before we get to. Right. So we're looking forward to all of that. We've got more shows coming out for you guys. And we're very excited for all of that. But uh, I think this is where we end the show for the night.
1: Take care, everybody. Bye, everyone. As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credits section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling. Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network, for hosting and mentoring... In Seven Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration, Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us, Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork, Pipe Men, a veteran and friend for the outstanding music, our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this, and you, our fans, without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And, to quote "Stand the Man, enough said. Do
0: you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day.
1: Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup.
0: And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup.
1: And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age.
0: We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about.
1: So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and always remember...